11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Moro up to Silk. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in Remember That Guy, the podcast where we mine our memories for nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players, past and present? Hey, guess what? I'm still James, and I'm still your host. I am Diaz. I'm also a host. And this week, what a special guest that we have for you. Please take oh God, the floor. Yes. You know, it's always great to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, once again, I am the special guest host, Xavier. Xavier, welcome once again. A pleasure to have you on. As we prepare to dive into, you know, that that other hall that we don't necessarily need to talk about too much. We're mostly concerned with the Hall of Guy here, but we are going to be concerned with the Hall of Fame today. But first, before we talk about the memories from our past, who is making memories for you fellas right now? So I got two. One quick shout out to uh, Dr. Kevin Dyson. Love him. Doctor. Love our new fan. Doctor. Doctor. Absolutely fantastic. Doctor. That, that made my day see, seeing that. Uh, everyone go follow Dr. Kevin Dyson on Twitter. Great guy. Uh, Love that the Twitter account also says Dr. Kevin Dyson. I appreciate that. He's like, yeah, I would do no, the that's same fucking thing. title. Would... As well you should. If you are listening right now, Dr. Kevin Dyson, as well you fucking should. Also, a big welcome to Temple's uh, new head football coach, Sam Drayton. I've been looking more into him. Seems like he's a really good running backs coach. Bijan Robinson, sad to see him go, but also very happy for him. Ezekiel Elliott loves him. Uh, Brian Westbrook loves him. Three pretty good running backs. There's more to a football team than, than, than running backs, unfortunately. But, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, best of luck to him. Hope he puts together a good staff. Temple only has three commits right now after early early signing day, which isn't great. So hopefully he can do some, uh, make some moves in the transfer portal and uh, put something together to kind of stop stop the bleeding and get Temple back on the upswing. The thing I'll say for him, I have not looked too deep into the research. I understand he's the running back, the running game coach uh, from Texas, but all I needed was just watching his press conference and seeing that he actually gives a shit. Like, Rod Carey was just the most milquetoast motherfucker from the first second that he opened his mouth while representing Temple. And I'm just such a believer. He he said Temple tough. Those are the magic words. Those are all you need to say. There you go. Bring back the single Go-owls. digits. Go Owls. T for Temple. I, absolutely. Uh, T for Temple, you cherry and white. Well, I, I'll, I'll stay on that same topic. Uh, the person that's making memories for me right now is fucking Deion Sanders, baby. I, yes. Coach as Brian. someone that grew up, near a very prestigious HBCU, uh, Morgan State University. Go Bears. Always love them. Love biking through their campus now. Hey, fun fact, Morgan State University has a residential uh, herd of deer that I see sometimes in the mornings. Uh, so that's another fun thing that that HBCU has. And when we're talking about Jackson State University, the fun thing that that HBCU has is the number one recruit in the nation, which is so fucking cool. Did you see? The Travis Hunter and Nathan is very good because he starts out with three hats. He throws two of them, then puts on the last one, and then throws it away to grabs a hat from from uh, the the crowd. Takes off his jacket to show Jackson State look merch on uh, for his shirt. Puts on another jacket, and then it's just just covered head, head to toe, toe in, in all Jackson State stuff. All decked out. The quality of the video was crap, but it was everyone was going nuts, and it was very fun to watch. The quality of the video is exactly like the quality of of. Every like school graduation video filmed by my friend. Again, this is a podcast of one incredibly white person and two Hispanic people who are you know, in some ways white presenting. I'm not trying to speak for you guys. Um, we are very much 50, not 50. black in any capacity. We yeah. are super not black, but 
Again, I grew up right by Morgan. A lot of people I know went to HBCUs. We live right by the Alpha Phi Alpha, like, international house for the Maryland area. They are losing their fucking minds, and that's awesome. Like, all of the people who are saying any shit about why he, he chose this because of the name and likeness or, or saying that he should have gone to... There are people arguing that he should have gone to another school where his undergraduate degree was going to matter more. Like he's going to fucking finish college before he enters the NFL at this rate. It's it's absolutely moronic. And what is awesome is that Deion Sanders, to bring it back to the original guy, uh, who also had... If you enjoy Kevin Clark's NFL Slow News Day, which is a, a series for The Ringer, Kevin Clark... Great guy to listen, talk about football. And he had an awesome interview with Deion Sanders this week with, with this included. And it's great. It's really awesome to see this kind of growth formation. And hey, I'll admit that I'm not someone who could have told you that Morgan State University has four Hall of Fame NFL players in their history, which is significantly more than, you know, Clemson. Uh, so that's cool. Go Morgan. Deion HBCUs, Sanders. Until like the late 80s, early 90s, we're still a very vet, like, Absolutely. Very normal place for for people to go, especially because things were were more local recruiting wise. And we had like seventies to early nineties. They were very normally like players drafted, mm-hmm. you know, early of course, on. The greatest Jackson State alumnus of all time, Walter Payton. We also have Shannon oh, Sharp. Really? God yeah. damn. Walter Payton, Jackson State. Which one? That's did, why. Which school does Shannon Sharp go to? Savannah State. Yep. That's right. Hey, shout outs to t- shout outs to all the HBCUs. Um, TSU graduate Megan the Stallion. Fuck yes, get that degree, girl. It's 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 a great moment. It's very very genuinely. I'm I'm thrilled about it. Well, that's that's anyone else got any uh, burning memories going on right now? Yes. Yeah, so I want to give a shout out to badass mom and current UFC bantamweight champion Juliana Pena, who just pulled off the upset of the year, probably in combat sports. When she submitted Amanda Nunez, who everybody remembers Ronda Rousey. Nunez has been way more dominant than Rousey ever was. I believe Pena was about a 10 to 1 underdog entering this fight. Eats some killer shots in the first round. Comes back in the second. Starts to dominate the fight. Ends up getting the upset of the year with the submission over Nunez, who everybody just assumed was invincible. So, shout out to her. And like I said, a mom then coming back to still become champion. Just absolutely incredible. Shout out, Juliana Pena. We, we love guys that balance motherhood and dominance at the same time. It's a difficult thing to do. Derek Torres has managed it. And uh, I'm glad to hear that, that the torch is, has not gone out completely. Hey, Diaz, first off, love that you keep us up to date on combat sports. Legitimately. You are like the, the source of combat sports in this, and I appreciate it so thoroughly. I got a question for you that you have reminded me of as we bring up Ronda Rousey there. Why is it that, like, it seems to me, as a relatively uneducated, occasional fan of, of fighting sports, boxing, and the like, that any time anyone has one of those big losses, that's it. Like, I, I remember Ronda Rousey, just this run of being talked about, like, the most dominant force that Diaz the sport had ever the seen. There's a very simple answer to this. I will let Diaz... Yeah, and like, I sure, I'm sure a big part of it is you've never lost before, and mentally one of them just shatters you, but... It feels like there has to be a couple more people that come back than I feel like we're seeing. So it's a difference in how you come up as a fighter, right? So I think you pretty much nailed it. There are certain fighters that their whole lives, they've just dominated. They've always been dominant in their head. They've built up this super ego that they are literally invincible. And then when that's shattered, it's really hard to pick up the pieces and come back to, um, from that. 
where it can be different for some fighters is if they took those early losses fighting against better competition, they usually have a much better mindset for it. So, like, uh, a UFC fighter who goes the opposite of this would be Nate Diaz. I believe his record, uh, let me look it up. It's and, and that's not, a, a cousin of yours? I wish. I wish. Uh, Nate Diaz is, Second unfortunately. I, I shouldn't say unfortunately. As opposed to me, he is Mexican. So, Nate Diaz has a professional record of 20 wins and 13 losses. You hear that, and especially in combat sports, you think, oh, that guy's nothing special. Nate Diaz might be the most universally beloved UFC fighter of all time, because even in his losses, he doesn't care. He gets his ass kicked, he gets up. At this point, he has so much scar tissue on his face that it's automatic in the first round. He's going to be bleeding like crazy. But this guy just doesn't care, uh, because he took his licks coming up, and he has had to go through adversity. He knows he can get his ass kicked, and that's why he gets in the ring, versus people like Rousey, to a similar extent, Tyson. I would say Anthony Joshua could be the next in this line, unfortunately. But you've been built up your whole life to think that you're the greatest, and then all of a sudden, very quickly, you're reminded that maybe you're not that great. Yeah. So it's it's just a difference in how and you maybe come you're up not as a bad, but you're just like a human fighting other humans, and you can't win that forever. Right. And like I would say, so for example, you know, Canelo had a lot of fights coming up. His first and only loss is to Floyd Mayweather. I would also say he probably should have lost his first fight to Triple G. It was ruled a draw. I think it was a horrible I mean, decision. Most boxing fans yeah, agree. Tri- Triple G kicked his butt. Did we watch that fight and, together? Or did we? Or were we just talking? I think we did. Happened? No, I think we did. And what I remember of that fight, going off on a boxing tangent, what I hate about boxing, because I love boxing. I love boxing so much. But what I hate about it is it ruins its own moments too often. So to me, the first Triple G Canelo fight should have been, wow, Canelo fought some very tough competition showed how tough he is he lost but i have a lot more respect for him now and then when it was called a draw it was like fucking boxing shoots itself in the foot again can't ever get anything right but i think what's helpful to canelo because he's been in some tough fights is that he had the early loss to floyd mayweather he got rid of his zero so to speak and he had to learn how to bounce back from that he learned how to take a loss and i think he's a better fighter now because of it Word. It's I again. You you could tell me just about anything about this, and you're a very compelling speaker, so I'd probably go along with you on that. But no, that's I I would personally, based on what I know, agree because I'd be much more impressed simply by anyone that took a significant loss after having some level of success and, and continued because it just really seems to be like look, all of these people just seem to vanish as soon as they just go down that once. I appreciate your much more <laughs> educated and well informed take on that. And just the only other thing I'd say is like, you know, Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all time because he took losses and he came back. Like when he beat oh, George yeah. Foreman, when he beat George Foreman. That was nobody thought he could do that anymore. But he did because he's Muhammad fucking Ali. So goddamn. But, but we have some other things to discuss. Other... We, we don't necessarily have guys to discuss is kind of the weird thing about this week, because I, I feel like if, if you've made a Hall of Fame ballot, you've probably exited guy territory i think it's pretty safe to say too good to guy yeah you're you, you're a name at that point you're a name diaz i i really appreciate something you said before we were getting started here today which is that like this is not the first ballot by any means that it's people that we watch the majority of careers of but it, it really is starting to come into a period where the ballot is almost entirely made up of people that we watched almost the entire careers of. i mean alex rodriguez and david ortiz coming on the ballot is 
is is a big sea change moment in terms of uh, how we feel about age. Probably, I don't mean to speak for the two of you, but certainly is for me. But at at the same time, I mean it's it's loaded. Let's just get into it. Let's just talk about who we who we think belongs in the Hall of Fame. Ten votes, just like the writers would have. And I will also it's gonna allow a little peek behind the curtain. I propose to the gentleman we start with the person who, in my opinion, is the most slam dunk candidate. There is virtually no personal scots you can lay at the hands of this guy. I think like a DUI or two. Come on. Fucking come on. I as a biker who hates all drivers, come on. And nobody got hurt. <laughs> exactly. Look, if I were to tell you that the greatest outfielder of all time also had 434 home runs. That's an automatic Hall of Famer, right? Not even a second thought. Yeah, then Andrew Jones is an automatic Hall of Famer. And and I I 100% believe that. I cannot I just can't see a case against Andrew. Did you know that Andrew Jones led the league in home runs one season? Which Andrew year? Lee Andrew Jones led the league with 51 home runs in 2005. 51 home runs, 128 RBIs, 263 batting average. So we're talking about a lot of pop, too, because that's not, like, spraying it all over the field. Meanwhile, the whole time he did that in his career, he was busy just racking up, you know, 234 defensive runs saved. To put that in context, essentially, that's measuring how many runs did he prevent. Runs, at the end of the day, are the basis of baseball. You win by scoring more than you allow. 234, maybe that doesn't sound like a lot because we normally talk about massive numbers. Willie Mays and Roberto Clemente, they're pretty good, right? We think they're pretty good defensive players, right? Roberto is the greatest arm of all time. All right, that's awesome. He still uh, has 30 fewer defensive runs saved than Andrew Jones for his career. Willie Mays has 50. Uh, He hit 434 home runs and he is by a wide margin with 10 consecutive gold gloves. Admittedly, Two fewer than both Clemente and Mays. Such a like firm place in that Atlanta dynasty, along with Chipper. I, I just believe that if we're going to start off and we're going to maybe have discussion later, let's start with the one guy for whom I do not see any debate. Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer to me. Can, do, do we have a call of acclamation? So called. Yeah, All right. Jones. It was one of the three that I had. One well, of three. Hands- yeah, see, that's crazy to me, Xavier. You've seemed, you've spoken this week so selectively. I had to struggle to figure out which 10 I would think about. So with that being said, X, we've got one spot down. Let's hear some of these illustrious three. Well, obviously, we already, we are one with Andrew Jones. Before moving on from that, I do want to say that his son, Drew Jones, is the number one overall prospect in the MLB draft this year, according to MLB Pipeline. Um, I would love Drew and- Jones on the Orioles. Important question. Is Drew spelled D-R-U-W? Yes. Yes, it fucking is. It is D-R-U-W, baby. It is D-R-Triple-U, you which is that. absolutely what I will call him when he is drafted by the Baltimore Orioles. I like that. Triple U? Triple U. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Come on, Andrew Jones Jr. Drew Jew? <laughs> Drew Jew? Is that something? Is this anything? I, Drew's you. Think of all of the stuff that we can come up with, Drew Jones, when you're playing for the Orioles. It's got to be him or Kumar Rocker. Anyway, I'm sorry. This is me trying to make uh, a good thing out of the Orioles. They're, they're none of them up for the ballot this year. So who do you have instead, X? Uh, so I actually have this person um, ahead of Andrew Jones in surefire Hall of Fame status, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And this is Scott Rowland. Yeah. So, Fuck okay. Scott Rowland. It's, I knew he was going to have that reaction. I knew he was going to say it. 
I knew he was going to say it. It is weird that we are now going to advocate for a Phillies player against Diaz. Take it away, X. Give me your facts and give me your stats and give me your context. I don't care. Fuck Scott Rowland. Go ahead. It's all right. It's all right. I, 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 I knew I was going to get that reaction. But if there's one thing I look for in a Hall, in a hall of Famer, I'm not looking for just people who compiled stats over you know a lengthy period. I'm looking for people who actually you know made in a tangible impact. Scott Rowland. Very long career at the hot corner. Not many people have played as many games at third base as he has. And during that time, seven All-Stars, eight Gold Gloves, Silver Slugger, World Series champion, and batted 281 with, a, with, with an on-base of 360 the whole time. There's only 15 uh, third basemen uh, in the Hall of Fame right now, which is, feels extremely yeah. low. That is low. And, that is low. Uh, for, for example, the... The average war for baseball reference for a third baseman is 68.4, which is and that's, very, high, very, very high. Yeah, and it's getting brought up also by, I mean, Mike Schmidt, I believe, yeah. is the top, and I know he cracks triple digits. Yeah, he's at um, 107. And they're also, like, they're including Edgar Martinez in that, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Edgar Martinez um, is the exact average, 68.4. The average is 68.4. Um, well, and that's Scott Rowland cracks 68.4. Scott Rowland is 70.1. He is ahead of that. He is in between Paul Molitor and Edgar Martinez. Rowland was an extremely important part of a really, really, really good Cardinals team. Was, was essentially the, num- the number two to Albert Pujols on the 2006, on that 2006 squad. God, what was, a pair of guys at the corners between fucking Scott Rowland and Albert yeah. Pujols. And that's like, not only was he one of the best hitting third basemen, he was one of the best defensive third basemen for 10 years. His first gold glove was in 98. His last of his eight was in 2010. There was no downside to his defense for almost his entire career. And he was in the positives for defensive war, for, uh, I think, every single year except for one. Even playing at the hot corner well into his, well into his mid to late 30s. So we, I, can, we can keep saying numbers, Xavier. And here's what I'm going to say. I agree with you 100%. Scott, Scott Rowland's on my list. I could not agree with you more. I think they're based in underrepresented position. So here, before we go to Diaz, who I can see fuming right now, just at, like steam is coming out of his ears as he hears me talk about this. But I think something to consider about the Hall of Fame is like each vote responds to, I think, one of two primary motivations. And it's either you're bringing this person in because they fit the archetype that you have already established that is a Hall of Fame archetype. Or they are someone who compels you to expand the category and expand what you consider to be someone that should be representing the Hall of Fame. Everyone's going to fit into one of those two. And what I like about Scott Rowland is, as you said, he 100% fits into what we consider a Hall of Fame third baseman. At the same time, we have an insanely low number of Hall of Fame third basemen. And so bringing in someone that has a numerical, perfectly qualified case does both fit that already established archetype and help expand a position that's going to have a lot of good players coming up in the next few years. So that's the number case. Diaz, go ahead and tell us how much you fucking hate Scott Rowland. Oh, he's a dick. He's a dick. <laughs> that's the first statement that I'll enter to the court. Here's what I would say about Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland is a guy who was very good for a very long time. But it's not the Hall of Very Good. It is the Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland, by his own admission, is not a player that should be considered a great player. 
Scott Rowland demanded out of the Philadelphia Phillies in the middle of the 2002 season. The year after, they were in the hunt until like middle September. Jimmy Rollins had just come up. There's some great players coming down the pipeline. Chase Utley and Ryan Howard are on the way. And Scott Rowland demands out because he said, I can't win here. And you know what? Scott Rowland played till 2012. And from 2008 until 2011, the Phillies were the best team in the National League, I would say. And it could have been Scott Rowland playing third base. Third base was the one weakness of those teams. They could have been yeah. a dynasty if Scott Rowland had dared to be great. But Scott Rowland Scott- didn't dare to be great. Scott Rowland dared to be very good. And he, thus, he, by his own admission, has disqualified himself from the <laughs> Hall of Fame. He's not allowed in. Here's, here's what I'll say. I, my gut tells me yes for Scott Rowland right now. There's three of us. And I will, and it seems like I'm a little bit this way, but Xavier brought him up, and Diaz clearly is anti-Scott Rowland. And I will admit one thing that I care a lot about when talking about Hall of Fame discussions, how the hometown fans feel. I think that's really genuinely important. Like, I think that can make a case. I think, that can bring, I think you know, for Andrew Jones, because there's no one in Atlanta that's not going to 100% throw themselves into the fight for Andrew Jones. If you as a Phillies fan are saying this about Scott Rowland, I'm going to put an asterisk next to Scott Rowland. To, to, be, to be fair, to be fair, Scott Rowland is much more loved in St. Louis where he's in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. That's what I would say. I would say... Okay. Like, hometown what, what, Cardinals fans love him. Like, in But a, do we a, love Cardinals fans? I do. That's <laughs> what, what I would say. The thing is, I love the Cardinals because everyone hated the Yankees. And I loved Albert Pujols. So I watched the, both the Cardinals and the Yankees growing up, not realizing that everyone in the National League also hated the Cardinals. Yeah, wow. You really picked, like, the worst teams in baseball, Xavier. You didn't pick the Yankees. I, I'm sorry. You didn't pick the Yankees. I can't hold that against you. you did I can, but I won't. <laughs> I did pick the Cardinals. You did pick the Cardinals. Yeah, fuck Pujols, you for that. Pujols, Pujols rules, and I will die Pujols. on that hill that he's the greatest baseball player I've ever seen, like, in my lifetime. That's fair. I think Scott Rowland is, is probably. We'll put an asterisk, and when we get to the end of the 10, if we need to revisit Scott Rowland, I think we can revisit Scott Rowland. But Diaz, if not Scott Rowland, then who, I ask you? Who? All I will say, I do think Scott Rowland does belong in. That was a pure pathos argument that I just made. <laughs> I needed to get it out. But I would say, and perhaps this will help us to dive into a larger conversation, it is this person's 10th year on the ballot. I think mm-hmm. it's about damn time that the home run king... Barry Bonds gets voted into the Hall of Fame. It's absolutely silly that for the entire duration of the history of baseball, that every single team and every single player does whatever they can to get mm-hmm. any slight edge. Yeah. We yes. decided arbitrarily that for this one thing that people did for this one era, it is now disqualifying from them being able to be elected into the Hall of Fame. It's absurd. And especially in the case of Barry Bonds, because even before the steroids, if, if his career ends in like 96, let's say, mm-hmm. 96 or 98, that is a Hall of Fame career right in and of itself that he had up until that point. Mariners Griffey, Hall of Famer. Pirates Barry Bonds, Hall of Famer. Exactly. Forget about it. Just forget about it. Just based on that, they're already a Hall of Famer. So now we want to say that because he did what, again, everybody at that time was doing. Whether or not they were directly caught or whatever the case may be, everybody was in on that. And it's foolish to act otherwise. That, to me, is 
really the reason why I'm focusing on this is because that's the only thing that you can really argue that he shouldn't be in. If you look at it, the totality of his career, he's without a doubt a top 10 baseball player of all time. No, at worst, really he's, at worst, he is currently the second best pay- baseball player at all, of all time. I think we can safely say that. Like, at worst, second greatest ever, maybe third if Shohei Otani keeps it up for a bit, maybe fourth if Mike Trout keeps it up for a bit. I agree. And to me, it's just, let's all acknowledge how incredible this baseball player was. Because it's just, again, you know, you go, you go back to, like, the 60s and 70s, players were doing amphetamines. So We've obviously bad. seen... It's a different thing now, but we've seen, like, the fucking Astros thing and, like, how punished were they really? Like, let's be real. To me, at the end of the day, everybody's been doing this kind of thing. Everybody's trying to get an advantage. Barry Bonds, even without that advantage, already had a Hall of Fame career. Would he have been the home run king without steroids? Maybe not. Doesn't matter. Hall of Famer. I have some thoughts, but Xavier, do you... I don't want to just echo what Diaz is saying first. Let's 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 hear your argument against because it's it, there's valid arguments against. I will also say something that we should just drop out real quick. Uh, Barry Bonds did have several uh, domestic abuse allegations, so if people really want to dig him on the character clause, like look, there's shit in the character clause you can dig him on, and and we'll just put that there real quick to acknowledge. But to the question that is probably more likely at the forefront of people's minds. X, please, take it away. So, as Diaz uh, said, three steroids, Barry Bonds, is almost certainly a Hall of Famer. Uh, with, well, almost, pretty much without a doubt. But the, thing, the, the hang-up that I keep having when I think of that is, all right, so you can't really split a person into two separate, two, uh, into two separate people. Like, that Barry Bonds knew, you know, what his career was, and the fact that he was already one of the greats and still decided to use steroids for an extra advantage. Again, we know that a lot, a lot of players use steroids, but not all of them. Like Barry Bonds could have still made millions and been an incredible player without them. He chose to, he chose to use them. And I've been torn between two minds on this. On one hand, I think that the Hall of Fame should just have a steroid user's wing. And have everyone who has who's made the you know the the traditional Hall of Fame qualifications, but has been tainted through steroid use, in in that wing, with you know an a asterisk on the plaque, knowing that we under, we're acknowledging their you know service to the game and their careers, but that they also used artificial artificial help. And since that doesn't exist, you know the the only thing that I really think of it can think of as fair for now is just anyone who was you know credibly linked or found to have used steroids at any point not 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 include them because there are plenty of other players who have gotten into the hall of fame in the same era that didn't we just talked about ken griffey jr one of the great one of the greatest baseball players ever never never once even alleged to have used steroids and with the amount of injuries he's he's had, I know that there have been plenty of really good players that used HGH solely for recovery purposes. One of my favorite pitchers of all time, Andy Pettit, who I think would be a borderline Hall of Famer without it. If you if you've ever actually looked at ba- at at you know baseball stats, like there has a case. Ne- Pettit has all, a case. There will almost never be another pitcher to win as many games as Pettit, 
or or pass him in career war uh, from now from now on. The pitching uh, stands for the Hall of Fame are going to have to lower based on how pitchers are now. But you know he used HGH twice while recovering from arm injuries, and you know that means that as much as I love him, I I could never vote for him to be in the Hall of Fame. And so just me personally, I just until they decide to make a separate wing for steroid users, Bonds, Clemens, Arod, Palmero, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, vote them in. So so I, I have thoughts. One take I have is you're in a very unique position this year where you could kind of knock out like all of the last major guys who have this cloud all in one fell swoop with enough strategic voting to like keep some other guys on the bus. Like you could get A-Rod, David Ortiz, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Fuck it. Do a special dispensation for Mark McGuire. Like you can get them all in, in one, and then just have that year, like be the year that no one really talks about. Because what I don't think you can do, like you, you can't make separate wings of the hall. Because if you're going to do that, while there's understandable frustration about steroid usage, like, it's not any worse to me than, like, being a fucked up racist person. And there are plenty of those in the hall. So if that's the thing we're going to decide to, like, be an asterisk, I, I just think you can't begin to litigate categories unless you're willing to go back through all of the annals of everyone that's already in and litigate on things that are similar moral issues. And I would say... There are a lot of people that have done things that are of a of an equal moral taint to using steroids. My other biggest take is that halls of fame are museums. They're fundamentally museums, and as someone that is trained to work in museums and, and is a museum professional, you aim to tell a story. And I I do think it is faulty to try and tell a story of baseball without some of these fundamental people. Now, like there, there's a part of me that wants to put Sammy Sosa in. There's a part of me that's like, here's the list of people who have hit 60 home runs in four seasons or more. Sammy Sosa. And, and hey, the greatest hipster Orioles shirt of all time is still a Sammy Sosa 21 shirt. But you can make enough... Art, and, you know, Sammy Sosa is even one of the guys who like tested on that anonymous test that leaked, which, by the way, is the exact same amount of culpability that David Ortiz has, which is to say, not that much. There, there are certainly people who look like they have more bona fide Hall of Fame credentials because of steroid usage and without it would not necessarily be candidates. And there's plenty of those borderline guys who I don't think had to... I don't mind that Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and probably Sammy Sosa are not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but I am going to agree with Diaz on this one. So, uh, you know, for nothing else, we're going to be locked into a two-to-one vote on this. And I, res- I respect the dissent. I truly do. I don't want it to sound like I'm just putting it down. It's a valid point, but we... We are a democracy, and so this is going to be a two-one. But I do agree. No, I, that to- they- I, I totally understand. Yeah. And like I said, I I think if there were if it was given, you know, special context, it doesn't currently put exist. it on their plaques. Like that that's that's another thing I feel very strongly. The, this should be mentioned as part of their story. Again, we're telling a story. It should, part. but they yeah. won't. They won't do that. They they wouldn't do that. They they're not going to make. I can't what, make up new rules for the Hall of Fame that the Hall of if, Fame doesn't. If they had one line on the plaques for, like, Barry Bonds said, implicated in the Balco scandal, if, if that one sentence was on there, I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. Do that and then list all the rest of his eye-popping career statistics, and, and that's everything that I think the Hall of Fame needs to do to treat it correctly. A thought I just had that's really interesting. If, you, if Bonds doesn't get in this year, 
and baseball's all-time hits king and all-time home runs king. Well, not mm. being Hall of Fame. An all-time Cy Young strike king, if, if Roger Clemens doesn't. Oh, yeah. He's not a strikeout. Not a strikeout. No, no, no. Nolan Ryan. But all-time Cy Young uh, leader, yeah. No, it's – it's honestly, I agree more with keeping Pete Rose out of the hall. I think Pete Rose should also be in the hall with a similar line saying gambled on his own team potentially. But it, it is also a little absurd that Pete Rose is not in the hall. But he's not on the ballot, so that's not a concern for us right now. Barry Bonds is on the ballot. We're going to give Barry Bonds a vote. And while this is boring, I'm see, I want to use my spots for interesting guys, but if we're going to bring in Barry Bonds, I feel like I got to do my duty and also say Roger Clemens. And I'm going to be frank. I fucking hate Roger Clemens. I have nothing nice to say about Roger Clemens played for the Yankees, Red Sox and Blue Jays. Fuck you. But God, you're one of the greatest pitchers of all time. I am so glad that my dad was live to see the worst moment of your life. Roger Clemens game six of the 1986 world series, Tucker Fulweiler there in the right field bleachers. God bless him. I am so glad that he was there to see Roger Clemens just be more miserable than Roger Clemens will ever be in his entire life. Unless Roger Clemens also misses the hall in the 10th year, which is something that shouldn't happen. Roger Clemens belongs to the hall. I fucking hate you, Roger Clemens, but this is a very similar conversation to Barry Bonds. Like, and another thing I want to point out Diaz to what you keep saying, I, I do agree with Xavier that trying to split along the Pirates-Giants divide is pointless. I, I think it's pointless for a different reason. No one's not voting for Barry Bonds because of the numerical case. You, like, you have to address the actual reason someone isn't voting for him, and the only reason that someone's not voting for him, unless they really care about the domestic abuse allegations, and credit to him if that's... Hey, if that's what's breaking it down for you, I'm not going to argue with that, but I will argue with, with steroids being the breakdown for you, and I would argue against that for Roger Clemens as well. Do, do we have anything fresh to say about Roger Clemens? I would just echo all of that. Again, as you said, very similar angle as the Barry Bonds thing. If we're looking at just straight-up statistics and performance and output and all of that, there's really no argument. And I would say, again, similar to Bonds, I don't know when you want to say exactly when Clemens started juicing, but his early days with the Sox, I would say he certainly was not. And even then, he was absolutely incredible. That's the other thing. Like, it's so crazy to think about the fact that Roger Clemens was a part of the 1986 Red Sox, and we saw him play in our lifetimes. I saw him throw a bat at Mike Piazza. Hall of Famer Mike Piazza, who had not super credible allegations, but, like, he had some some cloud of, of rumors and whatnot. Um, and I think Mike Piazza should be in. I think it is good that Mike Piazza was brought in. But that's the thing, like, you know, Mike Piazza is as guilty as some of these guys. Like, we have anonymous test reports from dudes like A-Rod and, and Ortiz. Yeah, Barry Bonds and, and fucking Roger Clemens definitely shot up. There's no question of that. But if we're putting in people who have any questions whatsoever, it's like, like, how certain can we be? Yes, there's some people we can be 100% certain about. But I think you're just making, you're making it difficult. And this is, this should be a difficult and deliberation. The Baseball Hall of Fame does matter to some extent. It matters because we say it does. But Roger Clemens, I fucking hate you, but you belong in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I did that. Please, Xavier, wash that terrible mouth out of my taste. Give me another one. <laughs> so I was hesitant on this one, but I do think that he, that he, that he deserves it. So I'm going to go with the Todd father, uh, Todd Helton. Okay, good, because I had to use one of my spots for shitty Roger Clemens. Thank you for using your spot for Todd Helton. So the everyone knows the argument against Todd Helton is that he spent his whole career in in, in Colorado and had you know however much benefit 
you get offensively from that. But you know, we, we've seen plenty of Colorado uh, Rockies players leave Colorado and still hit very well. So I'm, I'm not even sure how much of a benefit that really is anymore. Especially with, you know, MLB changing up their balls every year to juice them or dejuice them. Who, who, changing them cares? up every game, apparently. God, yeah, I hate you, Rob. Every other pitch. Yeah, who, who, who cares about this? But from 2000 to 2004, Todd Helton was one of the five best players in baseball. Yeah. Probably. You know, five straight years uh, of all-star games and silver sluggers and gold gloves. His stats are eye-popping. You know, in 2000s, it's kind of wild to think. 42 home runs, 147 RBIs, an on-base percentage of 463, and an OPS of 1162, while also playing above-average defense. And you are burying the lead, which is that he led the National League in on-base percentage while leading both leagues in all other slash categories and also somehow finished fifth in MVP voting? What the fuck? MVP Who voting won MVP really, that year? MVP voting was really stupid, you know, in the early 2000s. Fucking uh, Jason Giambi. No, no, you're, you're th- you're, you're th- you were wrong league. Jeff Kent won uh, MVP uh, for the National League that year. Oh my god, I'm looking at American League. What an idiot. Yeah, what was, an idiot <laughs> I am. It was Jeff Kent, Barry Bonds, Mike Piazza, Jim Edmonds, still, and Hey, still fucked up that Jason Giambi won one, though. Also funny that Jeff Kent, I think, is on this, is also Jeff on the Kent ballot. Jeff Kent is on the ballot. Jeff, yeah. Jeff Kent has a case. Jeff Kent absolutely has a case. Best second baseman in baseball for quite a few years. So We're talking about Todd. We're talking about Todd Helton, who, you know, he, as much as I said, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of compilers, and later on in his career, he did do that, but his five-year peak is pretty much as good as anybody's not linked by steroids on, on this ballot. I mean, I'll go ahead and say his seven-year peak, because mm. I'm looking at it right now, the top 16 all-time seven-year peaks of war, of those 16, there are 11 Hall of Famers, there's Miguel Cabrera, Joey Votto, Paul Goldschmidt, and then there's Todd Helton, baby. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And Albert Pools. That's the other one I forgot. Albert Pools. Ah, uh, he's, he's iffy. You know, his war is very good for a first baseman. 61.8 in between Mark McGuire, who, another one who, without steroids, probably in the Hall of Fame, and uh, Hall of Famers Jake Beckley and Harmon Killebrew. So he, you know, his, his counting numbers, his advanced analytics, his, his nickname is also incredible. The Todd Father, I love it so much. Again, didn't I think Todd Frazier get... try and like jack that style for a little bit. He did, but it didn't work because okay. every picture of Todd Frazier was just that time he was uh, next to Jeter in Little League. The only instance of successful nickname jacking that I can think of is probably Ladanian Tomlinson, right? LT. Yeah, that is that's a good one. Because if it's... you said LT, I would assume Ladanian Tomlinson. I would not immediately think Lawrence Taylor. He did well. Another thing to think about with Todd Helton is the fact that he started Peyton Manning's career. So Peyton Manning has, Todd, Hel- has Todd Helton to thank for that. Because Todd Helton was the starter at the University of Tennessee, which I feel like is not a thing that people think about too much. Here's what I would say. It can't be a Baseball Hall of Fame credential, but it is absolutely a Hall of Guy credential. Here's If Todd Helton doesn't make the Baseball Hall of Fame, we will welcome him with open arms. Because that's, like, that's the other thing. I, he has, like, folk hero credentials. 
uh, which is kind of, I think, what we were alluding to earlier with how does the hometown feel? Every played a whole career in Colorado. And again, if we're saying like that you want to tell a story with it, there is no more quintessential Colorado Rockies player than Todd Helton. There is no one that I associate with that franchise otherwise. Like, yeah, Troy Tulowitzki could have been. Maybe Troy Tulowitzki could have been. Maybe Nolan Arenado could have been. I was thinking Larry Walker, but Larry Walker, you know, he didn't spend his whole career there. He was there for a long time. Yeah, no, Larry, and Larry Walker's great. We love Larry Walker. Thrilled that he's in the hall. Oh, uh, he's absolutely someone that deserves to be. And Todd Helton, I, I couldn't agree more, Xavier. I absolutely concur with you that Todd Helton belongs in the Hall of Fame. Again, first base a little bit better represented, but both of the corners, I think because there is such a an expectation for being able to get away with poor defense in the middle infield positions, and, and because of that, you know, the 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 best players often migrating towards the middle of the infield, and then the guys that end up at the corners being moved there. It, it's almost like there's a stigma against it because of that. So it it does help, I think, bring our understanding of what a Hall of Fame first baseman nowadays should look like. So yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I absolutely think Todd Helton takes spot number five. Do we have any dissent from Diaz? Two thumbs up. Awesome. The, the Todd father's in. And I mean, hey, Diaz, why don't you give us number six? So let's keep it going. And along with a similar theme where I think it is significant when a player is the greatest enter team of all time. So Todd Helton is the greatest Rocky of all time. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, the greatest Philly of all time is Jimmy Rollins. And I think on that basis alone, we can begin the Hall of Fame argument for Jimmy Rollins. Are you really good? Are are we really going to start off by saying Jimmy Rollins is a better Philly than Mike Schmidt? I don't. I'm not from yes. Philadelphia. If you really want to push that, but like my understanding has always been, as an outsider, Mike Schmidt is the Philly. I will admit that I am probably in the minority of Phillies fans in having this take. I wouldn't say it's a strong minority. I would say maybe it's like a a two to one thing. It's not an unreasonable position that I've taken. Here's why. First of all, Jimmy Rollins is the all-time hits leader in Philadelphia Phillies history. He broke Mike Schmidt's record. So I think that is very significant. I also think what's significant when you look at the history of a player with a specific franchise is how they perform when all the chips are on the line. Jimmy Rollins was always great in the playoffs for the Phillies. He had a huge walk-off hit against the Dodgers in the 09 LCS in each of the first two clinching games in the division series against the Brewers and against the Dodgers in the championship series in 08 when they won the World Series, he led off with home runs in both of those games. Set the tone right from the beginning. He's a man that always sets the tone, and he always backs up his words. In 2007, the Phillies had not made the playoffs since 1993. And Jimmy Rollins went in the preseason, and he said, we are the team to beat in the National League. The Mets were just coming off their 2006 season when they were very competitive. I don't think they went to the World Series that year, mm-hmm. but I know they were one of the best teams in baseball. 2006 was um, the Cardinals won. Right, so the Cardinals beat the Mets in the LCS that year. So Jimmy Rollins comes in in 2007 and says, we are the team to beat. Everybody says he's crazy. The Phillies haven't even made the playoffs. Jimmy Rollins wins the MVP of the National League that year while becoming believe the first player in National League history to have 20 home runs, 20 triples, 20 doubles, 20 stolen bases in one season. 
He does that in his MVP season. Of course, a key contributor on the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies team as well, spending a total of 15 seasons with the Phillies. He then did go on. It wasn't the, the full tide of having the whole career with just the Phillies. He went on to the Dodgers in 2015 with the White Sox for a little bit in 2016 before he retired. I forgot about but that White Sox tenure, yeah. He was. He was for just one year. He only hit 221 that year, so he was definitely ready ready to go at that point. But it's not like the Phillies yeah. are a new franchise. This yeah. is a longtime historic MLB franchise, and Jimmy Rollins has the all-time hits record for now, that franchise. To be fair, a lot of the history of that team is famously being one of the worst franchises in professional sports. I'm glad of you course. brought it up and not me, because I didn't want to <laughs> see that guy. The, the first Again, of 10,000 losses. Going back to my dad, dad was at the last game at Scheib Park, and he was at the first game at Veterans Stadium, and he saw a whole lot of losing around both of those games. Of course. And listen, you, you mentioned that like it might be a point of shame. I am proud that the Phillies were the first team ever to lose 10,000 games. I think that's incredible. They have a long history. They might have sucked for most of it. But, they, you know, you can't lose 10,000 games if you don't play 10,000 games. So they've played a hell of a lot of games. A lot of guys have played a lot of games for the Phillies. But nobody has had more hits in those games than Jimmy Rollins. 2007 NL MVP. Lead-off home runs in the first two of three clinching games on the way to the World Series. Always backed up what he said. The coolest baseball player I ever saw playing for the Phillies growing up. The epitome of swag and a deserving Hall of Famer, Jimmy Rollins. Now tell me why I'm wrong, because I know that that's a minority uh, case that I've just made. Okay, I'll go first. Um, (laughs) So, I love you, Diaz. I like Jimmy Rollins. I'm not going to argue that he's not a great Philly just that being a great Philly does not make a Hall of Famer. As, as, as James said, it's one thing to be the all-time hits leader for, for a team. It's another to look at someone's stats overall and see that not only were they not really very good for a long period, they were kind of just good. I don't know. Like, for example, during Todd Helton's five-year like incredible streak, uh, his war average was seven and he his advanced analytics and his counting stats were off the charts jimmy rollins had a war of over four once in his career and his overall advanced analytics and counting stats are below kulowitzki they're below nomar they're below miguel tejada he, he he's a, a war of 20 below the average for shortstop and his jaws is about two thirds of it. He's a he's a very good player, but none of his actual statistics. Nobody cares about shark movies, Xavier. <laughs> none of his actual statistics are even really close to Hall of Fame level. Like a good shortstop, and shortstop is a hard position to be good at. But he had one very good season, and if not for that one good season. Even you wouldn't try to argue that he was a Hall of Famer. And one good season can help. But even that season, he wasn't even in top five National League in, in, in advanced analytics. He kind of won it just because of the Phillies. He's, he's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> okay, so- now, now X, something I do want to say to that. And I'm going to say this in your defense, Diaz, before I do attack your argument. Um, <laughs> All I ask, so go ahead, but I just want to, before we definitively close the vote, I want one last closing statement. Please go ahead. Well, here's, I mean, here's what I'm going to do personally. 
I'll, I'll tell you before I start getting into my bit what I'm going to do. The way we arranged this ahead of time, you know, we made sure we were all going to get three spots other than Slam Dunk Andrew Jones. So I'm going to leave him on here. And if at the end of our 10, we're happy, you can look at us honestly and say that there's no one that deserves that spot more than Jimmy Rollins. I'm willing to allow it. That's, that's how we set this up. <laughs> so I'm willing to allow that. I think there will be people that we agree might deserve that spot more than Jimmy Rollins. But to the 2007 one, I will 100% agree that Jimmy Rollins does not have a statistical case for that 2007 MVP. But we are also saying, as we go into this Hall of Fame discussion, we are trying to tell a story. The 2007 Phillies were a very good story. Jimmy Rollins is at the heart of that story. So I'm not going to get into relitigating the 2007 ML and LVP. You know all those stats that he led in, though, that year? He did have a 119 OPS+. plus. That's good. That was his best offensive season ever. It's, here's, here's what I'll ask you. Do you consider Jimmy Rollins a Hall of Famer because he's a great hitting shortstop? Do you consider Jimmy Rollins a Hall of Famer because he's a great defensive shortstop? Do one of those aspects of his game speak to you more? I would say he is a better defensive player than a hitter. And I think so here's the thing. Get underrated. His, his entire career on a per-season basis, it's less than one defensive war. And again, that is prorated to the position. And even positive at shortstop is good. Even zero at shortstop is good if you were a good hitter. He has a career 95 OPS plus. Again, all of this is a very good shortstop. He's not a bad hitting shortstop at all. You're right. He led the league in triples several times. Uh, he led the league in stolen bases once. He was consistently a good stolen base threat. Base running matters. That's like part of the game that I appreciate that has been lost very much so and has never been big with the O's except for Brian Roberts. I mean, he had a great year that 2007 year. That's also the only time he ever had more than 200 hits. That's a big knock for me. If you're a hitter, you got to get at least two seasons of 200 hits. Come on. Like, unless you're Ozzy fucking Smith, you need to hit 200 hits in total months. As I said, I'm going to leave Jimmy Rollins on there. And, and, and if you, Justin Diaz, at the end of this say that we are happy with the, the 10 people that we put in that Jimmy Rollins is more deserving than anyone that we've left off, all right. Cool. That's how it is. And I, I just hope that you will have that inward uh, soul-seeking as we continue forward. Xavier, I very much appreciate that you picked Todd Helton. That helped me eliminate a couple guys, which means coming up. I can talk about the guy that, to me, other than Andrew Jones, and maybe Scott Rowland, is, is, is the most slam-dunk candidate. I want to talk about Billy Wagner. I would really love to talk about Billy, Billy Wagner. Wagner. Interesting. I would Interesting. really like to talk about Billy Wagner. Would you like to know how many relievers are in the Hall of Fame as like full-on relievers? Three. I mean, I, I, wa I did grow up watching the greatest of all time, so. There are eight Hall of Fame relievers right now. There are eight Hall of Fame relievers over the history of baseball right now. And some of them are like Goose Gossage and Hoyt Wilhelm. Yes, Mariano Rivera is absolutely the greatest reliever of all time. We can all agree this. And I, I want to also say I have no problem with any of the relievers that are in the Hall of Fame. We're getting, though, to a discussion, which is like we, we don't know how to talk about this part of baseball right now. We don't know how to acknowledge it. And the fact that relievers are not getting brought into the Hall as we're hitting the points where it would be making sense time-wise, like, we should be hitting now this major explosion in, in the importance of relief pitching. That should be coming up because we are all of those decades removed from when it happened, and that would just be the natural sea change if we were properly telling the story of baseball. But right now, 
we simply aren't. We are only acknowledging, like, it's Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman in there right now. And that's fine. They are two deserving people. Trevor Hoffman, when he retired, had the all-time saves record. Mariano Rivera now, much more appropriately, has the all-time saves record. Other than Mariano Rivera, there is no relief pitcher in the Hall of Fame that has a higher ERA plus than Billy Wagner. Mariano Rivera has a 205. Mariano Rivera, like, far and away by people that qualify with 1,000 innings pitched, Mariano Rivera is, is by ERA plus, the greatest pitcher of all time. I think Moa which is like double the war, which is insane. Yeah, no, he's he's wild. We are not here to to besmirch, you know, anything about the very deserving. Uh, he was the first m- unanimous, was he yep. not? And and, only, and that's fine. only yeah, one that's well only to I hope it was a Baltimore. And one person um, had some points. <laughs> other than that, you want to talk about your adjusted ERA plus? Uh, if we're not talking about the Negro Leagues, which you know, we don't need to not include them, but if we're going to talk about Hall of Fame representation, we should be acknowledging that they're just not getting the kind of recognition that they deserve. So for these exercise, Mary Rivera has 205 ERA plus. He qualifies with a thousand innings right now of active pitchers, you know, Jacob deGrom, Clayton Kershaw, 157, 155. That makes sense. They're fucking incredible. They're some of the greatest pitchers of their generation. They're both almost certainly going to the hall of fame. Billy Wagner is a career ERA plus of 187. That's Trevor Hoffman had like two seasons when he hit that. I'm looking at Trevor Hoffman right now. Trevor Hoffman, Cracked like 265 one year when he almost got a Cy Young award in, in 1998 with 53 saves. Fair. Uh, like, this is not me saying, again, that Trevor Hoffman is bad at all. What it is me saying is because of just the idiocy of the fucking save, uh, which is one of the dumber statistics that exists in a sport full of some pretty dumb statistics, we're not acknowledging the fact that Billy Wagner. Do you want to know, like, the major counting stats that Trevor Hoffman beats Billy Wagner in? He has 0.5 fewer walks per nine innings allowed. That's it. Like, he's got more innings, and he's got a little bit fewer walks per inning. You know, he allowed more walks all time because he pitched more. He's got a higher ERA. He's a higher opponent batting average. Higher whip. Fewer strikeouts per nine. Equal number of home runs per nine. More hits per nine. He's got 180 extra saves. Yeah, and that's it. Like, that's the only thing that people have been able to see differentiating Trevor Hoffman from, from Billy Wagner. It is criminal that the people who have, honestly, the access to the most educational material about baseball, which is to say they are baseball writers who can talk to people that professionally play baseball just at the drop of a hat, and they just refuse to try and, like, better understand what the fucking game is. Billy Wagner had one season in his entire career where he did not average more than 10 strikeouts per inning. One for Houston in between two all-star seasons where he averaged 14.9, 11.3, that 14.9. Billy Wagner finished fourth in Cy Young voting. So not far off. He finished 16th in MVP voting that year. Like, I, and it just, you need to either fit an archetype or you need to help us better expand the hall. Billy Wagner needs to get into the hall because we need to start having a more productive conversation about players that are going to come up soon and matter to us. Like the only active pitchers right now that are close to Billy Wagner are Craig Kimbrell, Corbin Burns, and Devin Williams. And two of those guys play for Milwaukee who are just able to make any reliever. They're, they're Tampa Bay, except by the Great Lakes. And the other one's Craig Kimbrell. That's it. Like Billy Wagner and Mariano Rivera and those three guys are the top five all time. He is a player that can help us begin to better appreciate this part of the sport that 
is only becoming a bigger part of the sport as starters workloads go down and bullpens increase. So I, I feel free to disagree if you want. I need to use a spot on this Hall of Fame ballot for Billy Wagner. Uh, fuck Billy Wagner. Uh, that would be the first thing that I would say. And the second thing that I would say is, again, we can say saves are stupid, but when your position is closer, the thing that defines you is that you close out the game and you get the win. And that's especially important in key games. That's why I think Mariano Rivera deserved to be the first reliever voted in, the first player voted in, excuse me, unanimously. I think he absolutely deserved it because when the game was on the line and when they're important games, he's the guy that you wanted in. The lasting image of Billy Wagner that I have is blowing critical games at almost every stop that he went to. I can vividly remember one when he was with the Phillies. That was Brad Lidge that gave up the moonshot for the Astros, but Famously, those Astros teams could never get over the hump. And reading through him, in Houston, he said, this team sucks, and that's why I need to leave. In Philadelphia, he said, this team sucks, and that's why I need to leave. Not that that contributes significantly to the Hall of Fame case, but it does contribute to me thinking he's a dick. And it does contribute to me and saying, fuck him. And that's fair. And, you know, if the Baseball Writers Association of America, if its members get to have whatever petty reason that they want to say that a person does not belong in the hall, especially when we have those slam dunk cases, I'm going to reserve my vote on this committee. Xavier will surely overrule me, and Billy Wagner will get in the Hall of Fame as his career accomplishments may or may not deserve. But I just want to say, fuck Billy Wagner. (laughs) Xavier, if you want to say peace, I'm happy to let you go, but I do have two statistics to share with you, Diaz, in response to your points. And, and I have no further argument to make. This is just in response to yours. Xavier, would you like to go first if you need to? No, you, you go first. I want to hear the statistics. Fair enough. Justin Diaz, do you know what Trevor Hoffman's career 162-game average of games finished was? How many games per season did he average finishing? Let's say 70. 56. Trevor Hoffman averaged 56 over an 18-year career. Uh, he also averaged what is worth five losses. Billy Wagner, in his career, do you know what his 162-game average for games finished was? Uh, let's go ahead with 70 again. It was 56, and he finished with three losses on 162-game average. Two fewer. That's all I'm going to say. If that is your argument, I do want to introduce one numerical counter-argument. I think, though, other than that, I've made my case. I believe Billy Wagner belongs in. So as, as someone who grew up watching Mariano Rivera pitch, I was very spoiled when it comes to relief pitchers and yet you know things in Mo terms because no one will ever reach that level. And I don't want to compare Billy Wagner to that, you know, looking at his stats and you made a pretty compelling argument and more because I want it, I want there to be a chance of Joe Nathan making the hall of fame. And I think if Billy Wagner gets into the hall of fame, it gives Joe Nathan a better chance that like Joe Nathan. I would not hate Billy Wagner creating a larger conversation of what does it like. Look, Diaz, it, has Brad Lidge come up yet? Is Brad Lidge going to come up someday? Is Jonathan Papelbon going to come up someday? Do you want them to have like a larger body of work to be compared against? Like, it, this is just me saying, what do you want the hall to be? What do you want the hall to represent? What do you want that body to to show about the sport? I like Brad Lidge, but Jonathan Papelbon is also a dick. What about Joe Nathan? Joe Nathan's Joe Nathan. fine. I got no strong feelings about Joe Nathan, but... Most, most two first-name people, you can usually count on them to be pretty decent. I, I like Joe Nathan. Xavier Henry. He's, he's, from, he's from my area. And so when I grew up in our local newspaper, there was always, how is Joe Nathan doing? 
because nobody talented comes from Orange County, New York. Also, he does have 377 career saves. I like the idea of expanding the hall for relievers because it is kind of crazy that there are so few. Like, I get that it's hard for them to really build up an advanced analytics career other than, you know, the ones who were starters for a long period. Exactly. More is a compiling stat. They're not being given a chance to compile. And you can say that they're forced into that because they can't cut it as a starter. But like, look, we put Mariano Rivera in there. He couldn't fucking cut it as a starter. Sometimes people can't cut it as starters, but they can still be dominant relievers for decade plus careers. Uh, like looking at this list right now, I feel like getting to 30 you're getting close to 30 really sh- could be like, you know, a much better cutoff. Although there are some guys I've never heard of uh, up here, but like around, around the Trevor Hoffman, Lee Smith, 28 war mm-hmm. like area. I think that should be a good one, like a, a good one, you know, ahead of Raleigh fingers below Lee Smith. And, you know, I, I I'm, I'm for expanding the hall for a position that does not get enough love. Like I was with Scott Rowland earlier. I'm going to say yes on Billy Wagner. I also have no strong feelings about Billy Wagner as a person, as someone whose team did not have to face him or have him. Billy Wagner is on the ballot, baby. That's seven. We got one final turn through this order. One last trip to the lineup. Savior, what you got? We, uh, we can pass me. Remember, I only had three, and you already talked about Andrew Jones. Fair enough. Diaz, lay it on me, baby. So... This is going to be a pick that both of you will know deep down in your guts that this person belongs in, as much as you may hate them. That is Big Poppy. David Ortiz oh, yeah. should be... David Ortiz should, to me, should Here, be... Here, let's, let's get this out of the All way. Right, let's just put fucking my... David Ortiz and A-Rod on. Let's just, let's just fucking do it. Let's just get David Ortiz and A-Rod on with these two if we're skipping with X. Let's, yeah. let's do that and you and me boil down to the last one. Can we all agree... Xavier, you seem like you might like Alex Rodriguez. That's the thing about Yankees fans. I don't even know if you all like Alex Rodriguez. So, we both hate David Ortiz. Both of them should be. About, I don't care about Alex Rodriguez. I was mad when the Red Sox plunked him, but then he hit a home run against Ryan Dempster because fuck Ryan Dempster. That yeah. was fun. Now, I, I've, I've, I've made my point about people who use steroids earlier, and that applies to both of them. And despite the fact that I do have a begrudging respect for who David Ortiz became later on in his career. If I'm going to stick with my bright line rule, I cannot in good conscience vote for either of them, even though all fantastic players. I will leave this up to you too. Please say your piece for David Ortiz. Uh, I would love to hear it. Just, you know, Senor Octubre, he's the, of the current century, I would say there's nobody that even comes close to him in terms of clutch performances in the postseason. The I'll say Altuve. Yeah, but fuck Altuve. I hate that guy, too. I, I don't disagree on that. I don't disagree on the second point, but Jose Altuve. But you also still need to look at how many World Series the Red Sox won versus how many Altuve has won. Sure, Altuve is a guy that could get there mm-hmm. one day. He's certainly shown to have that clutch gene, which people always argue whether or not it exists. I think if you've played it sports, you know, you know that it exists. It's, it, it's, exists. It, it's, it absolutely exists. And Big Poppy is, to me, just the far and away clearest possessor of the clutch gene that there's ever been his regular season statistics are also still very very good and i think on the basis of those alone he's maybe a borderline guy but i think you need to consider the postseason and you need to consider legacy and rings rings do matter baseball is perhaps the sport where you can most 
isolate individual performance, but I think it is still extremely significant that when you have the chance to perform on a championship level that you deliver if you are one of the greats. And Ortiz may have ended up in those positions more than most because he played on great teams, but I also know there's nobody I would rather have in those spots. So to me, David Ortiz, first ballot. He's, he is at worst the second best designated hitter of all time. It's, it's him and Edgar Martinez at the top. Maybe Nelson Cruz comes into the conversation if he keeps it up for another fight. If Nelson Cruz does be, it becomes the Tom Brady of designated hitters, where maybe he's not the greatest at the position, but he just keeps doing it, then Nelson Cruz has a conversation someday. But he's he's one of the two greatest, and so I agree on that front, where I'm always mad. Hey, let's talk about the designated hitter. And he had the greatest retirement season ever. Like, Mariano Rivera's was good, but it didn't finish in the playoffs. It didn't, you know lead the league in the position at everything. Like, I think he still might have come close in saves, but David Ortiz was by far the best designated hitter in baseball that year. Uh, Particularly in this one, it's so little uh, of a part of his career that steroids are even theoretically involved. Yeah, no, David Ortiz is in. I'll I'll talk about Alex. I'm talking about Alex Rodriguez and Roger Clemens, both in their favor. This is terrible. Brutal. one thing I will say real quick, though, is just that for designated hitters have a big advantage when it comes to counting analytics like war. Because so many play older players, they lose like advanced value when they're older to defense. So you have some players who end up their careers, you know, they had been average or positive. They end their careers with negative five, negative six plus uh, defensive war, you know, which can really impact their overall stat and not to mention having to play field day in day out you know designated hitters get you know that much more benefit from prolonging their careers and also avoiding those negative stats i i I just want to point this out for all designated hitters not just big poppy i could not agree more with you that this is absolutely context for it but it's my same position i guess with relievers Look, if we're going to make it a part of baseball, at the end of the day, you have to acknowledge the people that are best at doing it. And other than Edgar Martinez, there was no one that did it better. For Alex Rodriguez, on, on the steroid topic, look, dude served a full season-long suspension. That's more than pretty much anyone else did. And that's also, I guess, like kind of nuts to think about, given how close he came to some of those like all-time records later. I, I admit until I was thinking about it the other day and like considering Alcerius's case, forgot he was gone for a season. Kind of like wiped that from my mind. Maybe the least clutch player in the history of baseball, which is pretty funny and was very enjoyable for me many times when admittedly my team was no longer playing and everything was just invested in rooting against the Yankees. But yeah, I mean, Alex Rodriguez is a Hall of Famer. It was like, great. What, he was what, great. It's, nine. It was very bad. He was, yeah, he it, the one, the one time he got a ring. It was very good. <clears throat> and he would go in as a Yankee, right? Like, there's no, he would never do Seattle or Texas. He wasn't there long enough for one of those. He, he'd he, had, he had a lot of issues with, with, with the Yankees later on. It's a lot of, I think that's know, still, Maybe still he goes capless. Like he takes the moose route. But, so, those, we got those two. Xavier, if you got no one else, I, uh, let me, let, I'm going to think, Diaz, about who I care the most about for this last spot. You tell me who you care the most about. I'll make so, an argument for Don Nathan in five years, but until then. Okay. <laughs> if he lasts on the ballot that long, let's hope he does. I think he should. I think, I think he'll get more than 5% this year. So, of the remaining, to me, it has to be Sammy Sosa. I think it has to be. Because 
Again, you know, we've Xavier's established where he falls on the steroids thing. I think I've established where I fall on it. And if I'm going to say that I personally don't really give a shit because I think everybody was doing it or enough people were doing it, Sammy Sosa's three years in a row of 60-plus home runs is an absolutely incredible stretch. Before the, the championship run of the Cubs, you would have said that Sammy Sosa is probably the most iconic Cub, I would say, since Ernie Banks, probably. Right? Fair. Not, Fair. Now you would probably say Chris Bryant. I would say probably goes ahead of him. Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo over Chris Rizzo. Bryant. As, as someone that talks to a Cubs fan about baseball a lot in my fantasy league, Anthony Rizzo over Chris Bryant. By a little bit. It's, it's by a hair. Love Rizzo. Rizzo. Rizzo's great. They, love, they fucking love Rizzo. But, you know, for the better part of a decade, he was the face of the Cubs and absolutely carried that mantle extremely well. And I think just his peak is so incredibly peaky. Because, like, if you look at the rest of his career besides stretch from really 95 to 2002, before that, he only has one season where he hit 30 homers or more. He would have then also had one in 2004. But he has one before and one after where he had more than 30 home runs. So, like, never really exceptional. But within that peak, just Absolutely absurd. 36, 40, 36, 66, 63, 50, 64, 49. To, to me, cork, and that's 63 I, times in a season. I misspoke earlier in the episode when I said four, but no one else has ever done it three right. times. Right. Yeah. So three times. And again, you know what I always come back to is kind of what you said, James, which is the, the purpose of the Hall of Fame is to tell the story of baseball. And I don't think you can possibly tell the story of baseball without Sammy Sosa. So. On that basis, I think he needs to be in. Um, How do you feel about that? that Here's my thing. It has been scientifically proven that a corked bat actually absorbs force. So while it is very stupid, it definitely doesn't make me think your stats are any less legitimate. I just mean like the trying to cheat like double ways. Look, people try to exist on the margins. He went until he got caught. I was like, yep, all right. Whereas you talk about someone like, I'm sorry, this I can't consider the reason that I think Manny Ramirez, for instance, he will he will not be someone I'm advocating for. The reason I see him differently than everyone else. Look, for one, he says in positive long after it was clear that, hey, we're not doing this anymore. Like we've we've tried to put a stop to this. Cut it out now, for real. And he does it multiple times. Manny Ramirez ah, it's just Manny being Manny. Whereas, like, look, the other guys who stopped when they were Hold to stop. There, there has to be a way to still include that period. Like we said, we're coming up on the age where these are the people that we watched playing when we were kids. I would like to see the people that I watched playing and thought were cool be in the Hall of Fame the next time I go there. Also, one of my favorite fun facts about Sammy Sosa that I do just want to drop. All three of the seasons that he hit 60-plus home runs, he did not lead the league in home runs. He led the league in home runs two times, and it was none of those three years. I'm I'm willing to put Sammy Sosa on this ballot, but I do not think I can put him over my choice for 10th because I, I here are some people that I thought about just because I want to mention them. Tim Linscom is so good. And if we were doing four-year peaks, Tim Linscom would be in the Hall of Fame. And he's just a very fun character. And I like it when fun people make it into the Hall of Fame because they have cool speeches. Uh, Tory Hunter, a, a great. He is like just shy, I think, of being able to make it in. But man, Tory Hunter was a great player, right? That's part of what I want to do here. Jeff Kent, fuck man, yeah, you were like just the best second baseman in in baseball for a while, and I'm I'm very tempted by Jeff Kent, but 
I, I, actually, one, one more that I do love. Mark Burley. I do love me some Mark Burley. The speed run uh, specialist in baseball. Yeah? Did we talk about the guy who one-third of us are blocked by on Twitter? Or are we specifically not talking about him? Kurt Schilling said he doesn't want to go in the hole, so fuck him. He said he doesn't want in. There's no reason to discuss him. He's He has removed himself from contention. He's a piece of shit. He defrauded the state of Rhode Island. I was um, way ahead of the curve, I just want to say. Um, for, the, for the uninitiated, I am blocked by Kurt Schilling on Twitter because he made a comparison saying that Muslim extremists are like Nazis in Germany. And, you know, better watch out because they're going to take over the whole thing soon enough kind of thing. And basically, I tweeted out, I'm like, hey, Kurt, you're going to get fired from everything you've ever had, you stupid piece of shit. And we had a little bit of a back and forth. He eventually admitted he was wrong and then hours later blocked me. So I, I wear that as a badge of honor. I cannot see there's, what There's Kurt's no doing. question here. We are anti-Kurt Schilling. We're very, a bad we're very, person. We're very and, and again, thankfully... He made this easy for us. We don't even have to consider him. He said he doesn't want to go in, so he's not even up for it. All of those guys are great. Burley, Lincecum, I do love them all. The guy that I think, though, that we need to put in, especially if we're going to talk about Sammy Sosa, is Bobby Abreu. I think... No. Here's the thing. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Look, Sammy Sosa, career OPS plus 128. Bobby Abreu, career OPS plus of 128. Like, we, here's what we need to do. We need to have the discussion at least because Bobby Abreu is about as good of a hitter over his career as Sammy Sosa. Now he's got more of like one of those Hank Aaron careers where once he hits 30, he's just cranking between 30 and 40 every single year for, oh, I don't know, 14 seasons. Look, man, Bobby Abreu is a pretty fucking good hitter. And he's not a bad uh, defender. Like, yes, he's a negative defender at first base. He's negative 10.9 defensive war over his career. It's not good, but that's why you put him at first base. And by the way, if we want to talk about Sammy Sosa's defense, it is not good either. It's negative 0.3. He's right at zero. So, like, if we want to say that defense is the reason we can't bring in Bobby Abreu, why is defense the reason we can bring in Sammy Sosa? Now, here's what I'll admit. Bobby Abreu is leaning very heavily towards that first category I originally broke things down into where it's he he fits this archetype we've already created and therefore he kind of like just gets in on that. But he's he look, there's some other fun things about him. He stole 400 bases over his career. That's not nothing for a power hitting first baseman. He's got elements to his game. If you're going to say someone like Sammy Sosa, Sammy Sosa has intangibles. I don't disagree with that. I think Bobby Abreu belongs in more than Jimmy Rollins does. I'll say that. I'll go. I'm on record. Bobby Abreu belongs in the Hall of Fame more than Jimmy Rollins does. So if we want to go back to that, Diaz, I will have no issue with Sammy Sosa if we can revisit a certain earlier nominee. There's no reason to because Bobby Abreu is a piece of shit and he sucks. And he doesn't <laughs> belong in the Hall of Fame because I love that we keep bringing up Phillies today. <laughs> it's it's really incredible how you every Philly that you're bringing up. I fucking hate and the only Philly that I bring up. You both kind of agree doesn't belong in and not that that's even wrong, but like I fucking hate all of these and guys. Also, I feel like we should say we, none of us talked about Ryan Howard cause there is no case for Ryan Howard, but Hey, I would have, I would have, if I had another vote, it would have been for Ryan Howard because I am a reckless Homer, but Ryan Howard, if I was going to make the case, all I would say is he was the player with the least amount of games to like 50, 100, 150, and I think 200 and maybe even 250 home runs until injuries caught up with them, which was very quickly. But anyway, Bobby Abreu, 
Again, I, it's a similar thing that I would say about Roland. He was not a leader on those teams, and that's why his teams didn't win. I have so many memories of Bobby Abreu, fucking right field, would have gotten to a ball, but just taking a leisurely stroll and didn't want to get to it. He never dove for a ball in his life. He never hustled once in his life. And to me, those things matter. And we have all these great statistics that say what a great baseball player Bobby Abreu was, and they can all be true. And I can also say that I watched that guy play right field for seven or eight years of my childhood, and I hated every single fucking day that I watched him because he was a Hall of Fame talent. That is what I'll say to you. He's a Hall of Fame talent. He's not a Hall of Fame player because he didn't want it enough. You know what? I keep bringing this up. I care about the home team fans. And you were a lot more convincing in this one than you were for Scott Rowland. All right, not Bobby Abreu. If that's the case, we'll say number 10 is Sammy Sosa. Do you want to say to me, Justin Diaz, with a straight face, that Jimmy Rollins deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than Jeff Kent? Yes, I do. Because, as has been the common thread through all of our discussions, the point of the Hall of Fame is to tell the story of baseball. If we're telling the story of baseball, we have to tell the story of the oldest franchises that there are. If we're telling the story of the Philadelphia Phillies, we cannot tell the story of the Philadelphia Phillies without Jimmy Rollins, who was the de facto captain of the second and who knows how long it'll be. could be a very long time. The second World Series champion on one of the oldest franchises in history. We can pull up all the statistics that say that he doesn't belong in it. And if we're looking at the statistics... You're 100% right, and I don't really have an argument there. But where I do have an argument is the narrative, and the narrative is that Jimmy Rollins is the greatest Philly of all time and the greatest player on one of the oldest teams in baseball history deserves to be in. Is it sad if so I was going to talk about Shara has a better argument to get in than Jimmy Rollins? And I didn't even think about bringing Mark Teixeira despite watching many... Which many franchise is he the greatest Mark player of all time for? He's not. That's okay. He plays I for mean, the fucking Yankees. Okay, we can't ask oh, that yeah, about right. someone that plays for the fucking Yankees. I was gonna okay? say there are about seventy Yankees who are not the greatest Yankee who are probably better than the greatest Philly, and I mean that in all due respect. Blasphemy. 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 <laughs> Getting a I new special guest next Philly. week. <laughs> I have some points against your specific arguments for Jeff Kent because Jeff Kent played for both the Giants and the Dodgers. Two of the oldest franchises in baseball history. Jeff Kent has the same number of MVPs as Jimmy Rollins. And here's my question. When was Jimmy Rollins the best shortstop in baseball? My entire life. <laughs> I'm sorry, but he wasn't even... I mean, that was a good answer. Like, I, he said it was... <laughs> Folks, I wish you could have seen the commitment he had to that statement. Or maybe three... Listen, I have the Phillies fan hat here's, here's what I'll propose. This is how we get Xavier to make a third decision. We've made cases for Jeff Ken and Jimmy Rollins. I think it's up to Xavier to decide on the 10th tenth, uh, tenth person. Harry Sheffield do steroids? I can't remember at this point. Right? I think he's on the same level as like Piazza and them. Like there's uh, peas and carrots, peas and carrots, but nothing like if, if solid. The only thing I was just looking like, Sheffield has a pretty good case if it's just the, if it's just that much better case than anyone else that we talked about. I mean, I don't. I mean, you're you're talking about a position that doesn't necessarily have as much of an issue with representation, which in fact there is to some extent a higher barrier of entry because of all that. Gary, 
I guess I could ask the same question. Where, when was Gary Sheffield ever the best at his position? Jeff Kent was the best second baseman in baseball for several years in the early 2000s. He was the second best player for most of those years on a Giants team, and that's only because the best player was Barry Bonds. I acknowledge like the love for Jimmy. In the top three for MVP voting. So, look, uh, Sheffield's good. He's good. I'm not trying to argue that Gary Sheffield's not good. And I would love for Gary Sheffield's what his eighth year would love to, to consider Gary Sheffield another time. You Xavier did not make a pick. So we've come to, we, we've come to this okay, so junction to already. I, and, and I think you have to it's pick between Jeff Kent or Jimmy Rollins. Picking the better player, which is Jeff Kent. But the horrific betrayal. He spoke at your wedding, Xavier. And you're just gonna do him like that? Enough for for to help him uh, over the years. You know what? Jimmy Rollins has a couple years left on the ballot. We'll get him on eventually, maybe. I think that he has a case. I don't think he has a more compelling case than Jeff Kent right now, or any of the other people that we've listed. All that I want to say is, it just tickles me that there's three Phillies going in on our class. And I hate all oh, three we, of them. And no, I no, we took it. We're not doing Bobby Abreu. We're not doing Bobby. We took Abreu. out Abreu. Yeah, no, you, you, you convinced me on Bobby Abreu. But yeah, so four Phillies are mentioned in in the course of the podcast. Two get in, and they're both two that I fucking hate. And the one that I love doesn't get in. But it is a democracy. Respect incorrect decisions that we do sometimes make. All right, so Mickey that I didn't we, vote for does get in, which you know just shows that is showbiz baby. Let's let's go through the final ballot. Let's hear it. Hey, we can say something if we need to. But here's the final ballot as we have it. Andrew Jones, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Todd Helton, uh, Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez, Sammy Sosa. Nine. That's two Yankees. And Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent. And Jeff Kent. Oh, I'm so sorry. And Jeff Kent. That's it. That's 10, baby. I'll take it. Mostly right. It's a, it's a, here's, and again, this is why, look, Xavier, if you're going to say there's a hard line, then yeah, I guess I get how you eventually end up with only three, but Diaz and I agree, this is a stupidly loaded ballot right now. And this is what happens when you make stupid little distinctions about what matters. Take away the, I got my three in. I'm happy. I got, I got, I got my three. I can have plausible deniability on the steroid users. I have, I'm happy for Jeff Kent. I got nothing against Jeff Kent. Man of principle. And that's our ballot that we're going to go now, you know, mail off to Hall of Fame so that they can throw it in the pile with all the other fan ones that they probably burn for heat this time of year because it's very cold in Cooperstown. But it makes me feel better to have discussed this. And that's all we have this week. That went a lot longer than I expected. So I'm super thrilled to see how the goaties go next week. That's right. We got the first ever annual Guys of the Year Awards. Uh, we'll all be cooking up the, the categories that we think guys represented the best in this season before, of course, the main event of the evening the Guy of the Year Award, where we will once again each bring a nominee with a shorter case than usual this time, we hope, because it's just about one year's accomplishments. But there's there's some amazing people to discuss. And with that, I, I got nothing else this evening. Anything for you, gentlemen? I'm good. Well then, folks, thank you so much for listening to us talk about baseball. We love this sport very, very much, and we hope writers make good decisions in the coming weeks. I have once again been your host, James. I'm the special guest host, Xavier. I'm your co-host Diaz, and as Yogi Berra once said, 90% of the hall is half guy. If I-